Welcome to What's Happening, a podcast created by and for the Anglophone East School District. Join us every week on your drive to work, your walk around the block, in the staff room, or while you're relaxing. You bring the coffee and we'll bring the news. Subscribe to this podcast on your preferred streaming platform to get notified when a new episode comes out every week. My name is Brian Willette, one of your hosts for What's Happening. I'm the subject coordinator for numeracy and science, grades 6 to 12, here in the Anglophone East School District. And my name's Stephanie Patterson, the Director of Communications here at Anglophone East as well. We're so excited to be hosting this podcast for you. Welcome back, everybody, to What's Happening. We are one week into school. How exciting. And our first episode kind of went when we launched. I think it's, it's doing great. Hopefully, everyone enjoyed that first episode with Mr. Ingersoll. Um, Stephanie, how are you doing? First week of school. Um, it's been really good. We've had a lot of positive feedback about how, um, school started with the staggered entry in most schools. I think that, uh, kids and teachers and parents all kind of like that, um, strategy. So, uh, I'm thinking that might be one of the things that sticks around after COVID is done. Yeah. And, and Mr. Ingersoll mentioned it last week during our interview, you know, of one of those positive things coming out is, is spending time with a smaller group of students as school kind of opens in September. So I think that's a valuable piece to point out is, you know, they have this one on one with their teachers and the teachers get to know all their students. So I think that's huge. And, you know, talking about last week, you know, there's a lot of things that have changed. So it's I'm excited to have today's guest, um, uh, Aubrey Kirkpatrick from the district as well who will bring some different insight uh, as to what has changed and what has uh, evolved over the summer in our schools. Right. He's the director of finance and administration here. So he oversees um, the the payroll department for finance and also all of the budgets um, for each department in the district and the overall district budget. Um, and he also oversees the facilities team, which includes um, all of our custodians and our uh, transportation. So all of our bus drivers plus our transportation department. Um, and then also all of the kind of uh, staff that works in and out of schools, like our electricians and, um, you know, if, if roofers and all of those kind of contracts too that uh, need to be, need to uh, happen sometimes. So yeah. That's a huge job. That's huge job. Like- oversees a lot of things in the <laughs> districts and really helps the the district run uh, fluidly, you know, and, and I can only oh, yeah. imagine the things that he would have had to take part of in the sense of changes, especially during the global pandemic, the things, I mean, he, he seems to have his hand in a lot of different pieces of the puzzle. Um, so I can only imagine how much stuff has changed for him as well. Yeah, yeah, no, I, uh, especially um, with the COVID cleaning practices, I, uh, I'm I not quite sure what the number of extra custodians that they've had to hire, but he'll be able to tell us that. But uh, yeah, it was significant. It was a, a huge, huge job, especially during these times. And, you know, I'm, I'm super excited. You know, I just mentioned our first episode. I didn't go viral, but I think it, <laughs> in our world, it went viral. Yeah. You know, and we're on to episode two, our second interview, and, and hopefully people are listening and, and, and streaming and, and, and subscribing so that they get updated every week when, when a new episode comes out. And this is a great opportunity for us to share information with people you know, via the airwaves, you know, you can listen to us while you're on your way to work um, or at any time. And, and hopefully there's some key information that comes out of our, our chats with these people. Right. I, I, I think it's a really unique opportunity for people to uh, gain an understanding of sometimes the the work that we forget goes on, but that really, um, really makes the, the schools in the district run, you know, um, so that the teachers are able to 
go into their classrooms and and uh, and and teach the kids. Um, I forgot to mention too, he uh, Aubrey also actually oversees the cafeteria um, services as well. So yeah, he does everything. I guess. <laughs> I guess he really does have everything under his portfolio. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, no, it's a it's a unique it's a unique year, and it's um, I, I hope this podcast is a is an opportunity for people to kind of um, gain an understanding of of all of the moving parts of a school district. And uh, if you want to go back and listen to our first episode, it's uh, available also on all streaming platforms. So if you haven't had an opportunity to to listen to uh, what our superintendent had to say last week, uh, you can go back and do that too. So with that being said, without further ado. Here is the Director of Finance and Administration, Aubrey Kirkpatrick. Yeah, so my name is Aubrey Kirkpatrick. I'm the Director of Finance and Administration with Anglophone East School District in Moncton, New Brunswick. And I've been in this role for about 13 years, but with the district, 23 years. Um, previous to this role, I was the Director of Human Resources. And um, really, uh, working at a school district has been you know, the best experience of my life, the most rewarding and most challenging. And uh, being a Director of Finance means that I'm responsible for um, facilities, all the schools, for finance. Uh, we have a $165 million budget. For transportation, we run uh, approximately 125 uh, bus routes. And um, food services and occupational health and safety. So those are the areas that I'm globally responsible for. Thankfully, I've got an amazing team um, that worked with me to make it all happen. Proud to say that Anglophonista really does a fantastic job when it comes to the business side of education and certainly the providing a quality education to our students. Um, being a part of a senior admin team that's uh, progressive and uh, wanting to, to continually improve is, is a reward, so. Continuing the line where, where you're basically in charge of uh, everything to do with uh, how schools run from the ground up, um, from morning till night. Um, taking into this this kind of exceptional year, what were some differences that you saw uh, regarding your your guys' work kind of over the summer compared to more typical more typical years? I guess I know that you guys always do a ton of work over the summer to prepare the schools, but I would imagine this year was a little bit more uh, intense. Yeah, we always get that question. Uh, do you get the summer off too? And, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it, it is a very busy time for us. Um, obviously operating uh, and preparing to operate 38 schools in a global pandemic is something that we've never done before, but it certainly was uh, and it continues to be a real challenge. Um, it's one of those things, though, that um, if you have the right mindset, it's actually quite exciting and invigorating to try to figure out how we're going to do uh, school under the restrictions of, uh, of uh, COVID-19 and the return to school plan. So really, this summer has been one of, um, you know, a lot of Zoom meetings, a lot of uh, Skype calls uh, with EECD, with public health, with senior admin and with our school principals and uh, all summer long. Um, and so we started with that uh, planning for the plan. So a lot of work going into developing the return to school plan and, and what it looks like and what we can do and what we couldn't do. And we were through many, many iterations of that kind of a plan. Um, and once we, once the education decided uh, that this was what we were going to do with regards to um, 
um, children coming back to school, um, the uh, K to two groupings with the reduced class size to 15 and our three to five uh, at 22 and our six to eight at regular class size and then high school every other day. So reduce it by half. How will we manage this, you know, all of these uh, things that we've never had to do before? And so um, that's when, you know, the rubber started to hit the road and, and we had to figure out how we were going to um, make this return to school plan, which is now at about, I think, 68 or 69 pages long, a reality, right? And so how will, how will we get people to, to um, understand all the things that we need to do in order to keep people uh, safe and healthy and have a, a good successful education year. So, you know, in general, that's how we started and that's, you know, really what got us to. So that planning the plan and then the implementation of the plan, which has been, uh, um, I would say, exhausting the last month uh, with our all of our team and everybody involved, right? From from administrators to custodians to, you know, to everybody here at the uh, office of the superintendent. I like what you said about, um, about if you have the right mindset, it can, it can be exciting because, uh, you know, it's easy to get kind of bogged down in the like, oh my goodness, what now? But I've kind of found it professionally and personally, I guess, um, a little bit liberating to, to have the freedom to not have the answer, you know, like it's okay for some, for, for your answer to be, I don't know, which I don't think that we normally have the freedom to be able to say that as, as much as we do maybe right now and try new things. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, when we were talking to our principals and we had our first face-to-face -face meeting after about five months, I drove home the point that it's okay to say it's a global pandemic to almost any question that gets asked. <laughs> Why are you doing this? Well, it's a global pandemic, right? Everything has changed uh, all around us. And that includes our schools and how we operate. And, um, you know, the fact that of the matter is that uh, it's a serious, uh, you know, thing that we're dealing with here with, you know, over 929,000 deaths across the, the world. Uh, it's it's something that we need to be serious about um, and, and, and continue to do the things that we're doing. And I also said to our principals that, you know, while this is a very serious issue, we are so fortunate here in New Brunswick to be, you know, the New Zealand of, of uh, North America, where we've got an amazing record of uh, success in, in handling the pandemic with very, very, very few uh, cases, uh, active cases. I think it's three right at the moment. And, um, and that, that happened because we uh, had very good leadership right from the start uh, with our minister and with the, with government and with our educational leaders. Um, we also had amazing compliance with, uh, you know, publicly with our with our fellow citizens. We said, you know, we, let's pay attention to this. Let's do what we're asked to do. And I think we're bearing some of the fruit of that. Uh, there's no question about that. And, and so excellent public health support and the leadership of Dr. Russell's really helped as well. You know, give us uh, the, um, uh, I wouldn't say courage, but the um, confidence that, you know, that they had our best interests. If we follow the plan, we're going to see some of the rewards. And uh, I think that's what we're seeing. And so out of that, so let's celebrate that, but let's also continue that when we set our schools in motion, right? So, you know, having, following that return to school plan, you know, and, and really making sure that we, um, 
you know, pay attention to it. Because if we do, we will continue to keep at bay, uh, you know, the, uh, the virus. And one of the things that may have been highlighted over this course, you know, is as we entered the new school year was was busing. Um, obviously, as you mentioned, the return to school plan and, and, and the reduced number of students on buses and, and, and even your, you know, we talk about the high schools every other day. How, how has that affected the, the bus routes? Is there more buses that are currently traveling the school district? Um, and, and what does that look like? So how has that really affected your planning when the buses kind of kick off day one? That's a great question, Brian. It's uh, one of the most complicating things that we've got, uh, that we're continuing uh, to deal with. And really, um, the restrictions uh, with busing is that K-5 um, students are in uh, single seats um, without masks, and grades 6 to 12 can be uh, together with masks on the bus. Um, obviously, that reduced the, the capacity of our buses, you know, from you know, 54 to 48 to, you know, there could be any kind of a mix, but it's less than what we're used to. Um, and so every bus route had to be examined. What is the makeup of the students on that route? So you start out at point A and you're bringing them into the school. As you load them in coming into town, let's say, uh, you got to know how many um, of those students are K to five, because if they're all K to five, then you're only putting on 24 students because right, they each have a single seat. But if it's a mix, then you can put a little more on. So every route across the, the, uh, the province and our, our district had to be examined and changed. And so basically we went from most of our drivers being six hour employees to eight hour employees uh, with the extra work. They're all doing uh, at least three runs in the morning and again in the afternoon. We've added in eight uh, buses, so eight new units, three of our own and sorry, five of our own and three of, of uh, Coach Atlantic uh, in order to handle the reduced loads that we're seeing. And we're starting a little earlier. We're arriving at school somewhere in the vicinity of 20 to 25 minutes earlier than we did last year in order to make sure that we can get everybody there by the start bell. And that's a, that's amazing, the amount of planning that goes into that. You know, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm sure a regular school year um, pre-pandemic was, was planning on its own and imagine throwing in these you know, reduced bus size and then knowing what grade range these students are as they enter the bus is amazing. And and kudos to, to your team and the provincial team for being able to, you know, launch that, you know, the plan and having that available. I think it's available on the school website or the district website for, for parents to be able to navigate, you know, pickup times and things like that, correct? Yeah, that's correct. They can uh, get on the parent portal and sign up for information for your uh, child's uh, um, busing as well as for late buses or, you know, storm closure information as we go forward into the winter season. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, our team has been working um, so hard at uh, dealing with the um, the regular things that are now taking much longer, like the alternate request forms right now take, you know, instead of, you know, you would have a bus that would say, okay, well, that bus will fit 48 and we've got 32 on there, no problem with the person on, but but now you have to go in and you look at what's the makeup of that. Is there an actual seat if they're a K to five student, right? Um, and, and make changes uh, accordingly. Um, certainly right now we have um, a backlog of, of uh, alternate requests and opt-ins. I guess we should say we, in the middle of the summer, that's one thing that uh, we work with the Department of Education on is that parents were asked if they would, consider opting out of transportation this year to help us with the loading. And so we had a 
approximately 2,300 um, families uh, opt out out of our, which would have been about 20% of our um, bus uh, transportation load. Um, but in the last week and two weeks, we, people have been opting back in. So we've been seeing like 10 to 15 a day of people saying, yeah, uh, that does not work for me anymore. So we, we're, we need to have the transportation. So we're dealing with those one as an individual request again, making sure that we the bus can um, hold them. And if not, uh, figuring out another way uh, to get them to school and back home again. So I guess the message from our transportation department right now is just one of patience, right? I mean, we're going to get through this. It's always a busy time, the first two or three weeks of the school year, but we will uh, get through this um, and hopefully everybody will have a, a comfortable spot to get to and from school by the end of the, uh, the month. Um, what are what are the cleaning protocols that you've had to implement on the buses just to uh, accommodate the the pandemic restrictions? So our buses are being cleaned uh, between the morning and afternoon runs um, and again at the end of the day. So when they start, they're fresh and ready to go. Drivers are using um, a disinfectant from um, one of the Health Canada uh, products that we've been given from EECD. Um, it's a spray, so they spray it on the seats and so on and um, leave it on for a certain amount of time. And then um, they're now wiping it down because what we found is that it was leaving a bit of a residue. So we're, yeah, so we're now, you know, looking at that and trying to figure out how um, we can get that done within the hours that have been allotted. So it's a, it's a work in progress, but it's being done and our, uh, our, our drivers are, are fantastic. We had them all. Um, actually, we didn't have them all. We had five sessions uh, where our transportation managers, uh, Dave and, and, and Pat, went to uh, various regions within our district and, and did a training session with our drivers and what the expectations were and how this whole school year was going to work with our, our uh, COVID restrictions and so forth. So uh, they went and, and did that and it was very well done. They, each uh, driver got a kit as to you know how and what uh, and the products to clean their buses and and um, the proper PPE and so forth. So you know just you know thinking about that alone, right? I mean, um, we had to you know, okay. So how much would we need to order? That was you know things that we had to get. We had to get it here. Then we had to divide it up you know to, amongst uh, the regions and make sure that every driver had a kit and then get that all out. You know, and and all of that was done you know in the month of August. It's, it's a huge job and also to work with our contractor, uh, Coach Atlantic. They have 33 bus runs and we added three more. So they have 36 in total. So they have to follow the same guidelines and, and um, you know, restrictions that we do. It's amazing to keep all that kind of together. Do you know what I mean? You're talking about all these bus runs and, and to your point of, you know, we will we'll get through this. We'll figure it out. It's it's adapting as you go. It's is that, you know, that mindset of being able to say, you know, we have to ad adapt in this moment. We have to change something because it's not quite working all all within those restrictions of, of public health guidelines. And I think that's absolutely amazing. And it's to our listeners, you know, it's a lot of work. There's a lot that goes into this. It's not just mapping out the, the district and saying, where's this bus going to go? It's realizing who's on the bus, when they're on the bus, and then the, the process of cleaning and, and making sure that it's safe for the next group of students who do hop on the bus, which is kind of my transition because you don't just wear transportation under your portfolio. You also have, you know, facilities there as well. So what are some of the cleaning uh, protocols or changes that may have occurred in our schools 
um, due to this global pandemic? Um, yeah, facilities has been um, a very huge piece of work. I mean, a lot of work done this summer. Um, we uh, closed off all the fountains that were in the schools and uh, took them out and we were replacing them with water bottle fillers, hard to say. And uh, they uh, were about a quarter of the way through that project. Um, these uh, machines are coming from outside the country. And so, you know, like everything, um, and you mentioned it, right? Patience, we all have had to learn patience. When things don't arrive, uh, you order them and then they don't come and, you know, um, so you figure out what plan B is. So in this case, plan B was, we made sure that there was water jugs and uh, in all of our schools, um, in case we didn't get them, uh, the water uh, fillers in place in time. And so schools have been using those. And uh, so we had a, had a plan B to fall back on. But uh, so there's, the, there's that, uh, we uh, provided every classroom with hand sanitizer uh, jugs. Um, we have uh, paper towel dispensers that we put into our schools because most of our schools were using uh, uh, just the uh, air dryers, which we prefer, but uh, in order to meet the return to school document, we had to use paper towels. So everybody got one of those. Um, in each uh, washroom, um, we had to set up 45 new uh, K to two classrooms because of the uh, the reduced class size. So there was a lot of um, um, ordering of furniture, you know, whiteboards, projectors, and, and all of that to outfit those those classes. And uh, our schools were great uh, in identifying those spaces, and we had to do that. I think that was in June where we were trying to identify where we were going to be able to put these new classrooms because most of our schools are full. And so, uh, you know, through some creative, um, you know, creative thinking, we've been able to accommodate most of those schools without impacting, like, we were afraid we we're gonna have to do gyms and take over gyms for classes or, or put classes on stages and stuff like that. But for the most part, we were able to accommodate that. Um, and um, on top of all of that, uh, we've got, you know, the regular capital projects that, you know, that happen, like you mentioned, Stephanie, um, and the extra work that we were doing, there was like, I think the list is it was 10 pages long, including the COVID things that we had to do, but uh, 48 different projects of um, the roof being re replaced or new windows and doors or, you know, asphalt being put down and so forth. So it's just, it was an extremely busy summer for our facilities team and and uh, in our schools, our custodians getting ready for um, for September. When we talk about, sometimes uh, I like to talk about the the positive things that have come out of this experience. And uh, I would say maybe that the water bottle filling stations would be considered kind of a positive thing to come out rather than a water fountain. I know my daughter's in kindergarten and uh, she's a big fan of filling up her water bottle. <laughs> it's like her favorite part of the morning. I'm sure it's not her teacher's favorite part of the morning, taking 15 kindergartners to do that, but um, <laughs> they love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely, that, uh, that's a bonus. And when you think about the numbers, I think we're in around um, 200 in our district. And so there's six other districts, right? So, I mean, it is crazy the amount of um, support. And I think we should say kudos to the Department of Education and uh, the team up there in their support in working with us in, in getting um, things ordered and, and, and figuring out you know, how we're going to do all of these different things. Um, it's been a great, uh, a great experience working with EMO in Fredericton and uh, they have uh, had uh, COVID supplies and have been helping us with getting the, 
the amounts that we need in order to, um, you know, to make sure that our schools are ready to be cleaned and the disinfectant and the PPE and all of that, right? It's, it's, uh, it's phenomenal, the amount of what we've put into it um, as a province to make sure that our staff and students are, are safe and, and insecure and they don't have to worry about, you know, about coming to school. Um, we've got 29.5 um, extra positions for COVID cleaners that we've been busy hiring over the last month. Um, it's been uh, a challenge to find that many people. Um, we've used up basically all of our spare lists. So we're into, you know, uh, really looking for people. So if anybody's listening and they want a, a decent job uh, as a custodian or, or a cleaner, um, we certainly would entertain applications um, because we're short and we need to make sure that we are able to fill those vacancies as we go through this, the school season, just with the regular um, um, absences that you get through sickness or injury or that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, um, it's been a big challenge and, you know, we just made it within, you know, a hair to get, made, to make sure that every school during the day has the, the, the COVID cleaners who are um, doing um, all the high touch areas multiple times a day, as well as wa uh, the washrooms and change rooms and that sort of thing um, on top of the regular cleaning schedule that happens. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's incredible um, that that uh, there j just needs that much more manpower just to to ensure that the buildings are, are clean and safe. Yeah. And if you do apply, you are working with a pretty amazing team in our in our facility staff. It's uh, it's it always sounds like you they're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they're a great team. And uh, They've got uh, a lot on their plates. I mean, we've got 38 schools in our, our district. The average age of our schools is in and around 47 years old. So there is lots to do within the facilities department, but we have, you know, a great team of uh, maintenance repair people and our custodians who care about our buildings and put the work in and the effort in to make sure that they're clean and safe and uh, ready for kids uh, each day. So, you know, it's fun to work in an environment where people have um, students' uh, well-being uh, as the number one goal, right? It's, it's it, it really, you know, that, that goes for your work and, and as well, right? I mean, it's just to, to be engaged in an operation that has, um, you know, the focus on kids and their outcomes is is exciting, which makes it rewarding. Right. And uh, I I will say that all of the feedback that I've had in the, the first week that schools have been open has been overwhelmingly positive. And I know dropping Zoe off at at, at the um, my daughter at the at her school every morning. It's the the staff is just so excited to see the kids again. Like there's a really kind of like jubilant uh, atmosphere to to like school starting this year. I find more so even than other years. It's like we knew what we were missing. You know. Yeah, it's interesting, and you, you know that's a positive, right? That's something that's positive that's come out of this is that. Um, we realize the role that public school plays in the life of society, right? Um, quickly, we saw that uh, in order to get the economy back, we needed to have schools operating, right? And so um, we realized that uh, through this, that um, there's a lot of people that depend on schools to even have a meal, right? And that the critical role that, that our schools play within that, um, you know, we realized that our teachers are uh, 
um, as you say, um, you know, really um, lost to a degree without their kids, right? I mean, you could see it and you could feel it and on social media and, and the excitement of uh, welcoming kids back. You know, with all the welcome back videos and, and uh, end of school year videos and so on, right? I mean, you could really feel that our our staff uh, really do care about the well-being of the kids that we serve. And I think your team has done an amazing role, an amazing job in in, in both transportation as well as facilities and making you know people feel safe in returning yeah. to school, both you know on their way to school. But then once you're actually in the physical building, knowing, you know, you talked about the water filler stations, um, the cleaning during the day um, and providing hand sanitizer, all these things to say, you know, it's OK to return. We're, we're trying to make it as safe as possible um, for everyone. And you mentioned, you know, some students, you know, kind of relying on school for, for a meal. So let's talk about another portion of your role, which is food services. Are, are cafeterias open? Are they opening um, and how are they going to be you know, operating this school year? Yeah, so our food service providers, uh, Chartwells, they have, uh, I think, 27 cafeterias that they operate for us. And the uh, other uh, 11 schools uh, don't have cafeterias because of the age of their facilities. But um, so we were negotiating with Chartwells through the summer. Uh, they've been working, uh, you know, as a as a company, a large company on what return to school would look like. So they have a program called Spark uh, that um, really focused on how to re-image what they do in order to meet the COVID you know, restrictions and demands and uh, have a great plan in place. So um, we are opening uh, cafeterias or they are opening cafeterias on a staggered basis. So um, we you know, identifying a number of schools to start with and then learning from that and adjusting as we go. Instead of opening all of them at once and going, oh my gosh, you know, we forgot this. We're going to do it in a measured way with uh, and build on success as we go through uh, through the school year. So um, those um, schools that are opening um, would have communicated as part of their operational plan uh, what uh, the cafeterias uh, will be open and what they will look like as they go. So a lot of uh, will be um, you know uh, online ordering is what we're looking uh, they're looking towards. So they've got that set up. Um, and then uh, food can be prepared and uh, delivered to classrooms. Um, and most of our, our schools are eating in their classrooms this year. And so, um, you know, that would, that would work well with that. And speaking of that, I mean, the operational plans that uh, our schools had to come up with, that was through our occupational health and safety um, officer that we have here. And, and uh, Jackie and I reviewed all of the plans uh, here at the office and, you know, provided feedback and um, we feel very positive about the work that was put in by our school principals uh, that uh, they really looked at everything, you know, uh, from how kids will be dropped off in the morning to um, you know, how they'll access the bathrooms to, you know, eating in their classrooms to, to leaving at the end of the day and all those transitions. So um, uh, the schools really did put a lot of work in prior to school starting and really prior to staff starting. They were working over the summer and um, with us and we really appreciate the work they, they put into it. And, and, and I, all of those plans are online so people can check those out if, you know, for your school and make sure that you're, you know what they uh, are asking for you and your, your child. And uh, yeah, so things are so far, like you say, Stephanie, this week, 
uh, and or last week and this week, um, you know, it's been really good. I don't want to jinx it or anything, but uh, you know, it's regular. It's the regular operational, you know, issues that we normally have. So um, that's a, that's a good thing. And I think a lot of it goes to, you know, all of the work that you know, preparing, planning, and the implementation. You know, if you do that well, you do get these kinds of uh, results. Not perfect, and that's the thing. We're, you know, got to be flexible, and you got to go. Okay, we missed that. Let's. This is what we're going to do for that, right? And and always be ready to adjust and uh, and move in the right direction. I do want to, uh, uh, I guess, talk about the the position of the occupational health and safety officer because that's a new position that we have uh, in every district, right? Or every mm-hmm. every English district, or. Uh, no, all seven districts all have. Seven. Okay. Yeah. And that's just new this year. Yeah. 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 Which actually wasn't um, as a result of the pandemic, but uh, a, a good year to have that <laughs> position Timing come into really play. Good. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. 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 They started um, in and around uh, February, March, uh, um, implementing these occupational health and safety coordinators across the districts. Um, safety obviously is always something that we talk about and that we strive for, but it was always being done in the corner of somebody's desk. And uh, through some um, you know, difficult and tragic circumstances in education over the last couple of years, um, it was really you know, identified that we need to step up our game and, and, and have an occupational health and safety coordinator in every school district to ensure that there are safety plans in place and that people are aware of what their roles and responsibilities are within that. And um, so we're excited. And as you say, the timing was great. Uh, when Jackie came on board, I think it was in May and dove right into this um, um, pandemic planning and the safety aspects around that, right? And uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, our folks, uh, all seven of them have been really full-time on this file. Um, getting ready and getting people prepared. So this year, obviously, probably 98% of their time will be on spent on ensuring that all of the COVID kind of protocols are followed um, in every school. But what else are they? I guess, what was the um, what are they responsible for in terms of safety? Like when we talk about safety outside of pandemic protocols, what what does that mean, I guess, in our schools? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I think that what uh, we are mandated is to ensure that the Occupational Health and Safety Act is fully implemented. And there, there are some um, very uh, large responsibilities on people uh, from the superintendent to, you know, directors to the principals to uh, custodian two to anybody who supervises somebody else. You are responsible for their safety. And I, and I think that the the point of hiring a, a coordinator is to ensure that that becomes a culture within the organization so that we um, can prevent injury at, at the workplace, that we can um, ensure that there are obviously no, um, no fatalities, that people can uh, say, you know, I don't feel safe in what you're asking me to do and what is the process to work through that? So the right to refuse and how does that work? And just ensuring that we can, you know, have uh, safe environments for our staff, uh, because this is primarily staff uh, oriented. Obviously, if it's safe for staff, it's going to be safe for kids. Um, but um, for people to, um, 
really have an idea of what their roles and responsibilities are. You know, as an example, like, you know, should I use my this chair to put up that poster on the wall? Right. And a lot of people just go and do it. But then the, there's a fall and somebody breaks their leg. Right. And so we want to make sure that people understand what you know ladder safety is about and and all of the different protocols that are in place in the Health and Safety Act. And so it's a very uh, large act with lots of uh, lots of things that we're responsible for. And, you know, we do it, but it's more by osmosis versus, you know, planned approach and making sure that, you know, we're covering all the bases. There's value there, you know, highlighting those safety measures that oftentimes we just get, we either are just accustomed to something and we just say, oh, sure, I'll put that poster up with that chair. It's 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 a, a, a reminder, but also highlighting the importance of safety in, in the workplace. Um, and, and Aubrey, I think we've covered a lot during our conversation here today. I mean, you, you have a lot under your portfolio to cover in the district. So I value your time and obviously your expertise in the areas that we've chatted about. Is there anything that we may have missed that, that you want our listeners um, to know about in what, what you do and have done for the opening of schools? Um, I think uh, we haven't mentioned budget and accounting, and I'll probably get some feedback from them if I don't. <laughs> they're, they're, they've been busy, obviously, tracking expenses, um, but also um, tracking um, the potential savings. Because, as I said, a lot of this is you know, you know huge amount of money and resources being put into into the planning and to the operations of this uh, for the pandemic purposes. And so we need to make sure that, um, you know, when we're not spending like from um, April to June, we weren't spending money on supply teachers because we weren't operating. That money is being used and taken over to pay for, let's say desk shields or face shields for staff or whatever. So trying to make sure that it's all going to the end of the day, uh, well, it won't balance out, but we'll be putting those savings to uh, to help cover off some of the costs that we're investing. So they've been doing some good work there as well. Um, and I guess at the end of the day, you know, this is a team operation. It doesn't work unless everybody's pulling in the same direction. And and as we started out with, um, you know, when we have um, people um, realizing that they can play a part, a really important part, everybody gets in there and they do what they need to do you know they're working on the weekends they're you know working late to ensure that um you know all of the things that we've got planned is are are coming to fruition and that sort of thing so i guess um, you mentioned about some of the positive aspects i mean the staggered entry that schools did this year uh, last week was really really positive everything that i've heard about it you probably heard that as well we uh yeah we we mentioned that actually before we uh we started chatting this morning that uh all of the feedback on that has really been positive from parents, students, and staff. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's, uh, uh, I think it's gonna stick. And that's, that's you know, th that's one of the positives. Another positive out of this whole thing is the, the uh, BYOD program, Brian. Uh, I think that, that uh, making sure that high school students all have access to a laptop uh, is, uh, is something that we've been wanting to see happen in a, for a long time. And here it is, it took a pandemic, so you never let a good crisis go to waste. And uh, it's happening now. There's lots of work that has to happen, <laughs> you know, now that we're going down this road, but um, but now we're on the path. So that that's pretty cool. And to your point, realizing the importance of technology and what role it plays in education. I think that's yeah. this is helping us realize that technology for technology's sake is not what we want. It's technology to help enhance education wherever you are, whenever you are. And being ready in case we get sent 
packing and have to go home again, uh, this will help. Right. Right. We'll be able not to. Gonna, that's not going to happen. No. But just in case. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, thinking about that um, is uh, one of the positives that could come out of this is that um, with all of the measures that we're putting into place, you know, the uh, physical distancing and the frequent hand washing and, and uh, cleaning and, and all of those things, community masks and so forth. And the message of stay home if you're sick, right? We don't need you to come in. It's quite possible that we could be uh, seeing less uh, uh, absenteeism amongst students and staff, you know, just from the regular flu and, and so forth. Like, because if we're doing these things, the idea is that we're preventing illness from coming into our schools. And so there's a good, there's a good possibility. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing if that pans out. But uh, there's a good possibility that uh, you know we will have more contact time and and all of that you know with uh, with the measures that we've put into place. And just to pick your brain a little bit about budget, since you you brought it up, um, is there is the idea here that maybe there's extra funding or or more funding coming down due to the idea that maybe we obviously we have more staff, but that there may be more staff that do go home. Um, because of illness, like to, to cover maybe supplies and, and things like that? Yeah, I think that um, we have had tremendous support from education, from our funders. Um, and I think that, you know, the biggest challenge, Brian, honestly, is is uh, people and having people uh, um, there on our supply list and our casual lists, you know, for the various positions uh, um, where we've, you know, increased the amount of teachers that we have in place. Uh, so we took those from, you know, a lot of them from our supply lists and our bus drivers, the extras we've taken from our supply list as well. So we're short all the way around as far as replacements go, because we work in an industry that you got to replace. You can't have a class with no teacher or a bus without a driver. Right. And so um, that that component is really important. So um, that's one of my worries as we head into the school year is to ensure that uh, we continue to work with human resources to get the, the people to uh, to be available, you know, as we go forward. So um, I guess in that light, what kind of credentials do you need to have to be a bus driver? Because obviously there's probably a, a special license that people could maybe, if they're interested, could could look into to yeah, doing. Absolutely. So we're going to be posting within the next week or so for uh, uh, people who are interested. and. Um, we provide a, a, a course, uh, it's a four-day course to uh, become a bus driver, as then once you've taken that uh, course, then you uh, start your practical side. So we have bus driver coaches here that will help, um, you know, your skills and abilities. And then you take the test with, uh, with Service New Brunswick and uh, hopefully you pass. And you get your, you get your bus driver license. Um, but but the, the point of the message is that we can get you from you know being a good driver where you are today to being able to drive a bus um, you know in a relatively short period we've got a course scheduled for the middle of November so we will have uh, openings for I think it's like ten or twelve people if, if people are interested we um, just go onto our website under careers and you can find um, opportunity to apply to that we definitely need more people to do it and uh, it's a rewarding job it's a tough job i remember i i did a um, bus rodeo we had a bus rodeo here many years ago in the parking lot at the coliseum so i said i'll try that 
I destroyed so many cones. <laughs> and and that, that was with nobody on the bus. I can't imagine. I'm not, not doing a good sales job, but maybe it's, <laughs> it's more uh, about my poor driving skills. than. <laughs> I, I would imagine it is a, a rewarding job to be kind of the first um, school employee that the kids see every day and the last ones that they often see at night. And you kind of get the whole, the full spectrum of their, of their experience in school a lot of the time. Yeah, and that's what we hear, right, from our drivers, that they have that opportunity to impact a, a student's day at the beginning of the day, and as well as uh, as they head off to, to their home for the evening, right? And uh, um, to be a part of that, um, of that educational component, we always say that it's the first classroom of the day, right? And, uh, you know, if the bus ride in is a good bus ride in, then they're gonna be more prepared to learn when they hit, hit the school, right? So, yeah. We, we love our bus drivers. Thanks so much, Aubrey, for, for taking the time to sit with us and chat today. Um, we're very excited about the, the uh, opportunity that this podcast affords us to uh, highlight some of the uh, work that happens outside of the classroom um, and, and to help us prepare students and, and staff and schools. Yeah, you guys are doing a fantastic job. I love this idea. Um, I think it's great to be able to bring to... Uh, to people the complexity of what education is all about. There's a thousand different layers um, and everybody pulling in the same direction for the benefit of kids, right? We all wake up in the, in the morning looking for ways how we can make the system better. How can we improve uh, the service delivery and, and, uh, and, and it's all about doing our best for children. So can't beat that. And on that note, thank you so much, Aubrey, for taking part in today's What's Happening podcast. We hope our listeners got a little insight into your role and obviously the different layers that are facilities, transportation, food services, finances. Um, I think I missed some, but all of those layers. And, and again, uh, we encourage our, our, our listeners to subscribe to the What's Happening podcast for weekly updates and interviews with, with specialists such as Aubrey. Uh, to bring information about everything that's happening over the summer as well throughout the school year to make our schools safe, but also to make our schools function. So once again, Aubrey, thank you so much for taking part in today's podcast. Hopefully you all enjoyed that episode with Aubrey Kirkpatrick. I mean, he has so many different kind of puzzle pieces to his role. Yeah. Um, it was, hopefully we dove into most of it anyway. Yeah, I mean, I just can't imagine in in what directions his day could go at any given time like there could Absolutely. be a facility transportation issue finance issue like everything could go and like hopefully only one thing needs attention on any given day but yeah yeah that's an incredible portfolio and he mentioned uh, that new role the occupational health and safety coordinator and i think it will have her on the show as well to chat about you know, what that role looks like and the things that go on in that day-to-day -day role. I think that sounds super interesting. I do. I do too. I, I, I imagine it's, I mean, 38 schools or 39 schools in the district and uh, being responsible for all of those safety plans, that has to be, uh, that has to be an interesting job, but also a, a mentally taxing job, I would think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, to all our listeners, hopefully you uh, got a little bit of insight of what transportation looks like, the, the effort that goes into the bus routes and it's the bus planning over the summer, whether it be during the global pandemic or even, you know, on a on a regular school year, all the effort that goes into picking up and dropping off students safely and on time. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and don't forget that you can subscribe to our podcast on uh, whatever your preferred uh, streaming platform is. I think we're I think we're on all of them now. Um, so yeah, so we look forward to uh, to bringing you more news and uh, more about what's happening in the Anglophone East School District. Thank you all for listening. As always, stay tuned, stay connected, and stay creative. This is what's happening.